You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. A valley of bones, dry, brittle, picked over by the birds of the air, macabre, creepy, very, very dead. God brings the prophet Ezekiel out to the middle of a valley, a valley littered with dried out human bones, bones scattered throughout as if a bloody battle had been fought there and the slain were left unburied to decompose in the broad daylight. It's a picture of defeat utter defeat, not even dignified with burial. God says to Ezekiel, let's go on a tour. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 1 says, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Okay, Ezekiel, God says, time for a tour. And so he takes Ezekiel to this hideous valley, but not only does he take him to this terrible place, he says, Ezekiel, walk with me. We're going to take a walk, not just to see the bones, but to walk through the bones. And he leads Ezekiel back and forth among the bones. And so Ezekiel wades through this somber death scene, this gruesome place, wading knee-deep through body parts. There are carpals and metacarpals, femur and fibula, scapula and sternum. And he kicks through the bones as he carefully walks through, deeply in touch with humanity. What do you do with a valley of dry bones? This is a Christian university. This is Asbury's Fall Revival Week. And some of us have come with great expectation for this week. And some of us have come with a graveyard of expectation for this week. What do you do with a valley of dry bones? What do you do when your spiritual life is a valley of dry bones? This is a week to assess your relationship with God. It is a week to pay attention to how God is or is not, where he is moving, where he is not moving in your life. Some of you have come this week thinking, well, this, is, this will be exciting, this is, this is wonderful, but you know, I'm not the super Christian type. When it comes to the things of God, I, I don't have a lot of extra life in me, I'm just like normal. When it comes to the Christian life, I'm, I'm like some of these bones, kind of dried up. Done that, didn't work for me. Tried, couldn't figure it out. 
Others have come thinking, I don't, you don't know what I've been through in my life. I've been through things that no one should ever have to go through, and my life has been a battlefield. It's a battlefield of bones, bones that have been picked over, bones that have been dried out. I'm pretty messed up, and I'm not really sure that there's a lot of hope for someone especially like me. What do you do when your life is a valley of dry bones, a place of lost causes, a place that is a burial ground. And today I want to spend some time walking back and forth among the bones, walking in this graveyard with you. We all have different types of graveyards in our lives. What do you do with a valley of dry bones? In verse 2, there's this phrase that says that the Lord led Ezekiel back and forth among the bones. He's in the bones. A few years ago, I was assisting with a a memorial service at our church, and someone needed some help with the cremated remains of their loved one. And I was, this this was, I, I was young and hadn't had this experience before, and someone said, well, I just need help transferring the remains to a different container. So I'm like, okay, let's go to the church kitchen and we'll figure this out. And so in the process of doing that, there was, there was a little bit that the person spilled in, from the container. And, and a little bit of the, just not a lot, but a little bit of the remains fell in my hand. And I felt very aware of my humanity. I felt very aware of the humanity of people. I felt close to death. You could, I, I could feel the death and sense the death. And sometimes God takes us places in which we are very aware of deadness in our lives. We all have places in our lives that we want to avoid. We all have ugly places, dead places, places of failure, places where pride has kept us aloof. We all have had decomposing and stinking places in our lives. And so God's antidote for avoidance, you know what it is, right? It's to take you through. God doesn't avoid. God takes us through. And so God takes Ezekiel back and forth among the bones. And so what do you do with a valley of dry bones? The first thing you do with a valley of dry bones is, number one, you visit the graveyard. We don't avoid the graveyards. We say, let me pause and examine the places in my life that aren't so alive. We visit the graveyards. God initiates this. It says that God led Ezekiel. He started this whole thing. God initiates taking us to visit the dead places in our lives. Now, a lot of times we erroneously think, God, well, in order to be godly, in order to be walking with Christ, then I just need to focus on the positive. I need to focus on the good things. There, there's a place for that. But there are times when God wants us to examine our graveyards. He says it's really time to get into the bones. In fact, I want you to notice the pain that has been in your life. I want you to see the places that are deathly in your life. Let's let's just pause and examine the graveyard. Ezekiel. 
Ezekiel sure didn't know it was going to happen. Ezekiel didn't know where God was going with this whole, hey, let's visit a graveyard thing. And I think it's pretty safe to say that when we first begin to look at our graveyards, we're not really sure what's going to happen either. But my hunch is that if we, if we visit our graveyards, if we go to the places of pain and loss, if we go to the places in our lives in which there is spiritual deadness, that God just might have something to reveal to you. Verse 2 says, He led me back and forth among them. And Ezekiel says, I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So not only does Ezekiel go to the graveyard, and does not, he, he doesn't just only face the death and face the graveyard and face the ugly, painful reality of there's nothing happening here, but he realizes that it's worse than he thought. It says there are many bones, a great many bones. And not only are they just bones, they're just very dry bones. Do you know that it's kind of, it takes time to get dry bones? I tried to get some bones to bring as a prop to, to use in the messages this week. And so uh, last, last week I called a local butcher and I said, hey, I'm a pastor and I'm looking for a sermon illustration. I wonder if you can get me some, some big femur bones that I can bring in as a prop. And butchers are very interesting people. We had a 10-minute conversation, and he was very curious about what I was doing and how I was using the bones, and he explained, well, I can get you a whole box, and how many do you want? And how many, how many pounds of bones do you want? And we had a whole long conversation about everything. And so uh, a few days before coming here, I said, hey, Adam, since you're going to be on that side of town by the butcher, would you mind picking up those bones? And he said, do you really know what you're getting into? And I said, well, you know, I don't work with bones very often, so no, but I talked to the butcher for a long time, and he said, I don't think they're going to be what you think they are. And sure enough, he, he picked them up, and they were bones that had little bits of meat on them and were a little bit slimy. And he said, and he said here they are, and, and uh, he said, if you really want to be able to use dry bones, then Really, you have to like let them sit and dry out for a long period of time. I didn't know that, but it takes a long time for bones to dry out. And I just want you to know that if you are in a place where you have a very obvious graveyard in your life, if you would describe your spiritual life as dry bones, it probably didn't get that way overnight. It's possibly been that way your whole life. It, it takes a while to die. It takes a while for the deadness to be there. And perhaps you've never been in a place where they've even had life. But Ezekiel gets to the graveyard, and he sees the problem is worse than what he thought it was. And you should know this, Christians. You should know this, students, that when you visit the graveyard of your spiritual life and you look at the dead places and you go back and forth and examine what your life really consists of, you might realize that it's worse than what you thought. So what do you do with a valley of dry bones? The first thing is you visit the graveyard. The second thing is you press into the pain. You realize it's a little worse than what I thought. This is uncomfortable. Rather than avoid it, I need to lean in. 
this is shameful, rather than ignore it, I need to pay attention. This hurts, rather than run, we press in. This is a week to reflect. This is a time to press into the pain and pay attention to what God might have to say to you in it. Now, we're people who don't like pain. We do everything we can to get rid of it, right? We take ibuprofen, we take acetaminophen, we do anything to get rid of the pain. We medicate with substances, we medicate with alcohol, we medicate with opioids, legal and illegal substances. We, we medicate with, for pain because our culture has tell, told us that we're supposed to try to escape it. We're supposed to try to stop pain. And it's a natural response. It's a natural response to avoid the graveyard at all costs. But we've endorsed this lie that all pain is bad. We need pain to tell us when we're doing things that hurt us. When our hand is in the fire, we need pain to tell us, get out of there. And what happens when we bury pain? When we try to bury pain, sometimes body parts go numb. Sometimes it, it means we, we go to partial mobility. Parts of our bodies stop working because if we ignore the pain long enough, things just start to shut down. Pain can severely limit the quality of life if, if we continue to ignore what's causing the pain. So we're, we're people who want to avoid pain, and we, we do this with our faith, too. We say spiritual life is all about happy, joy, love, peace, all that sort of stuff. Spiritual life is all about that. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to have a life with Christ is, is this happy, happy, nice stuff. But this faith is actually a lot about pressing into the pain. When Jesus came to earth and he announced good news that life could be radically different, he came saying life can be different. This is the good news for you is life as you know it doesn't have to be what it is. Life can be radically different. And here's what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say just mentally believe everything. He said repent and believe. He said repent and believe. Repentance means realizing what is wrong in your life. Repentance involves feeling the pain of the graveyard. Repentance says, this hurts, it's not good, and I don't want it anymore. Repentance involves feeling the pain of the graveyard. And there's a reason that repentance goes hand in hand with belief for salvation. Now, we like to skip over repentance and we like to go straight to belief. It is much more comfortable if we just say, let's mentally assent to these beliefs about Jesus. And Apostles' Creed is great. We need that. Let's mentally assent to these things. But we like to skip over the repentance part because it's just a little awkward. And we don't really, we don't mind telling if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't really mind telling other people who aren't believers in Jesus about what to believe, but it's a little more uncomfortable to say, also, you've got to repent. We, we don't like that. 
I was recently working through some children's ministry curriculum stuff in our church and was, was talking with a curriculum developer, and, and she was talking to me about a, a curriculum that says, you know what, this, this children's curriculum, ha- I, I just don't agree with it theologically. And I said, well, you know, how, how far off can a children's curriculum get? Isn't it about like Jesus and stories? And she said, when they're talking about salvation, they talk about how much God loves them, which is true. But she said that they've taken sin out of it. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about how things are wrong in our lives. And she said, even children can understand when they've done wrong. Our our Christianity, we often like to take the whole sin repentance piece out of it. And this invitation to us in Ezekiel, I think, is a beautiful example of let's press into the pain. Let's look at the graveyards. Let's look at what has died in our lives. Let's just feel it. Jesus has invited us to go there. Pain can be a gift. And there are some treasures of darkness that can only be gained in the graveyard. And I want to encourage you for for those maybe struggling to shine a light on those dark corners of, of graveyard in your life. I want to encourage you to let your graveyard become your braveyard. I know that's a little cheesy, but let that place be a place where you are brave, where you lean in with God and you press into the pain. The the passage in Ezekiel 37 continues with verse 3. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? The Lord says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Once Ezekiel has felt the the full weight of the the dead bones, the death, the hopelessness, he's felt the utter inability for these bones to do anything else. And the Lord turns to him and says, can these bones live? And as Ezekiel looks at these bones that are in this valley as he wades through knee-deep in human remnants, as he faces this death, I can only imagine that he was thinking, of course they cannot. But Ezekiel's smart, and he's a prophet of God, and so because he's smart, he doesn't actually say that to the Lord. Instead, he he knows better than to tell God that this is a hopeless situation. He knows that these bones are dead. He knows that these bones are not just close to death. He knows that they're not mostly dead. He, he He knows there is no life here. He knows it is a hopeless situation. But he's very diplomatic, and he says, um, Lord, you're the only one who knows the answer to that question. I like this. I like this because Ezekiel knows. It's obvious what's there. It's obvious that the deadness is there. It's obviously hopeless. But he doesn't hold on to his questions. Instead, he sets aside his questions, and he focuses back on God. So what do you do with the Valley of Dry Bones? Number one, you, you visit the graveyard. Number two, you press into the pain. Number three, you put your questions on pause. You put your questions on pause. Ezekiel has questions. And so often when we are in a Valley of Dry Bones, when our spiritual lives are graveyards, There's a reason you're there. 
It's because you have questions that God has not answered. There's pain in your life that doesn't make sense. There are disconnects spiritually that do not line up, and you're stuck, and you're dead, and it's hopeless. And so often when we're in those situations, we are the ones who feel entitled to ask the questions. This hurts. I demand answers. This is illogical. I need to understand. But here, in this God-initiated encounter of spiritual examination, God is the one asking the questions. Ezekiel is just answering what God asks. Now, I imagine Ezekiel probably had a lot of questions running through his mind. Where are we? Why are we here? What is God doing? Why is God bringing me to such a sad place? Why are we walking through the bones? I'm betting that Ezekiel was not asking, are these bones going to come back to life? He wasn't even asking that question. That question was in such a different realm, it it never even occurred to him to think of that question. And so often I have found that God has worked this way in my life where I have had questions And I have gotten to spaces of being hung up on my questions, hung up on faith questions. And it has only been when I have been able to to set aside my questions, to put them on pause and say, wait a minute, God, do you have something to ask me? Some of you are stuck in your faith too. And you, you don't know why God has done what he has done. But I want to suggest that you consider putting your questions on pause. It doesn't mean you have to ignore them. It doesn't mean you have to give them up right now. It just means take them from being the center and set them to the side. You can revisit them with God later. Just put them on pause and try to seek God because often God asks the question that we've never been thought to ask. And when we follow God to the graveyard, he doesn't ask us to revisit our graveyards alone. His Holy Spirit will take us there. And when we follow him to the graveyard and we allow allow him to lead us in spiritual life, he'll take us to places we don't expect to go. He'll lead us to the dark corners of our spiritual lives that we would rather avoid. And he'll bring up questions that we haven't even been asking. Because so often we're not asking can I come back to life? Because we're absolutely convinced we can't. And some of you are here. And some of you have thought, I've made my choices. Things have happened. I can't undo my life. Too much life has happened to me. It's too late to undo what was done. Nothing can change the fact that things have happened. And so when God looks at your life and he asks you, can these bones live? You have told him, no, God, they can't. No, Lord, I'm too far gone. No, God, I am messed up beyond the average person. You don't really know what you're dealing with. I'm not like them. But God sees possibility for life even when we're convinced it's impossible. 
And if you have a shred of hope that maybe this could be for you, that maybe there could be life in your dry bones, that shred of hope does not come from the enemy. That shred of hope does not come from your human capability. That shred of hope is God calling out to you. God sees possibility for life when we're convinced it's impossible. Jesus looked at a dead child and he saw life. Jesus looked at a beggar who had been blind from birth and saw clear eyes in the future. He saw these things before they even happened. God looked in a Jerusalem tomb at a man who was most certainly all the way dead and saw resurrection. Christians were people of pain. Jesus came to earth to deal with this pain, and we're crazy enough to believe that he can. At the center of Christian faith is a death and a graveyard. And Christians understand, people who are seeking to follow Jesus understand you have to go through death. And as you visit the graveyard, I hope you will do that. As you press into the pain, as you put your questions on pause, you need to know there is resurrection on the other side. Because nothing is too hard for God, not even you. No graveyard is too far gone for God, not even yours. When the question is asked, can these bones live? The answer is yes. My favorite gospel music artist is Ty Tribbett, and in one of his songs where he's singing about coming out of the grave, he has this throwaway line that worship leaders sometimes toss out, just just a statement, just to help kind of connect people to, to what's being sung. And he says, you know, we all have different graves. And I, ever since I heard that, I, I've been thinking about, man, that is, that is so true. Like, we all have different things that have caused death in our lives. I'm, I'm thankful that, I can't remember who said it earlier, maybe it was Christy earlier in, the, in this service, I'm thankful that she said, sometimes death is caused by sin that we commit. We know that as central to the Christian message. We, are, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus has come to do something about the sin that we have committed. And, and sometimes death is caused by sin that other people do to us. And I want you to know that Jesus has also come to save us from that kind of death as well. During 2020, we have experienced a lot of different things. I know people in my life who have lost loved ones to the coronavirus, and they weren't able to be there in the last moments of life. They weren't even to 
able to adequately celebrate the, the life of the person. They weren't able to have a real funeral because of the, the quarantine. People in my church have lost their lives during this time. Racism has been a huge uh, source of death in my community for a long time, especially over the course of this last year. Sin that people are committing in other people's lives. Can these bones live? Is Jesus going to do something about this? Is he the great judge that we talked about in the Apostles' Creed earlier? I know that for some of us, our, our mental health, this has been a good break. I know for many of my friends, mental health has suffered over the course of, of this year. They haven't had the connections that help support them in, in their lives. And I have, I have many friends who are just drying up in this season, drying up spiritually, drying up emotionally. Can those bones live? I know lots of Christians who have lost their faith entirely over the course of this season. They no longer believe that Jesus is going to save them. Can these bones live? This has been a very virtual season for a lot of us. We've had a lot of time with screens, and so I, I want to just allow there for I wanted to allow for some physicality to our, our response. And so I'm just going to take a moment and pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to ask you that question. And for many of us, this was going to be an awakening because we haven't had any hope that God is going to change. We think this is a done deal. We think that these graveyards are, are there's no hope for them, them at all. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to ask you that question. Can these can these bones live? Can I come alive again in this area? Can I put my faith in Jesus that he'll actually give me life? We're going to pray together, and as a response to this prayer, and during this next song, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, if you want to put your faith in Jesus, if you sense that the Holy Spirit has asked you that question, and you've answered with enough hope to say, you know, Lord. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward and pray that through. Allow the Holy Spirit to perhaps knit your life back together and bring flesh where there was only dryness before and bring breath where there was nothing.